Right, welcome back to You Can't Podcast with Kids. I'm your host, Lawrence Lee, for today. I'm delighted to be joined by Callum Farnden and Rajiv Kumar. Callum, how have you been? I haven't spoken to you in a while, so give me an update. Long time no speak. Um, Yeah, I'm enjoying my newfound legal freedom uh, to go and meet with my friends in a public space of up to six. So I'm absolutely loving it. Absolutely fantastic. I went to London yesterday, um, Canary Wharf, to be more precise. It's like a ghost ghost town. Like, yeah, it's it's, it's like nice in a way because you don't have to queue to get food, um, mm-hmm. but also it feels really weird to walk around London I, and I just know what we'd be about. I think that's probably because everyone's playing golf. I've been, <laughs> golf. I've been to the golf club like twice and it's been rammed every time. <laughs> Maybe that's where all of the people are. Yeah. Um, or, or tennis, you know. I, I, yeah. Uh, Rajiv, how have you been? Have you been playing golf or tennis? No, but I've been doing some exercise indoors. I've been doing a little bit of rowing. So indoors, like not on the water, unfortunately. Um, but no, it's been good. I've been, enjoyed the win on Saturday. So that's what made me feel better about the week. But then Real Madrid could then end up stopping that, unfortunately. But overall, I've been good. Yeah, we will preview preview the Real Madrid game, even though it would have happened by the time this pod co- comes out. So get ready for us to look like fools. But games that did happen, and we can safely review, were the Premier League matches on the weekend. Let's start off with uh, a big shock, as Big Sam masterclasses his way to a 5-2 victory over Chelsea. Uh, Rajiv, what were your thoughts on this game? Um the way in which Chelsea collapsed after the red card has to be very concerning. Yeah, I thought that it was a very good it was a very good spectacle for the neutral. I mean, West Brom I thought played some thrilling stuff on the counter attack, but I thought Chelsea also had quite a lot of chances and really could have really should have made a comeback. Zuma missed like two guilt-head chances, guilt with the headers. I thought that yeah, I think it showed that Chelsea's frailties. I think that Chelsea are having a little bit of a wobble now after what was a brilliant start on the two-shell. Um, I think that they're still at the prime position for the top four, although they've got some very hard fixtures. And But I think that I think that West Brom as well, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, a win can just change the whole complex, the whole, the whole thing around the bottom. And now there are only eight points with some tough games to go. But it's looking like the survival is looking bleak, but it's looking less bleak now. Yeah, uh, Callum... I I really did not expect West Brom to score like five goals of such quality. I mean, the first goal was a hoof from Sam Johnson all the way up field. Um, but the rest of the goals, I, I thought uh, Callum Robinson's like cushioned volley was a highlight. Diania's team goal. Those were, I mean, it's just, it's not right. <laughs> they shouldn't be scoring these kind of goals. Yeah, it feels, it just feels very wrong. Like, you kind of like watch it and you're like, oh, wow, that was a good goal. Like you, you see the result and you're like, oh, Chelsea must have had like an absolute shocker. And like some big, like, obviously like Thiago Silva getting sent off, like had a big effect on the game. And like you can't like look past that and say, uh, and say like West Brom completely dominated them. Well, like, and they would have won without that. But like they were like incredible goals. And it's not the sort of goals you would expect from like a team where they are in the league. It must be like an individual confidence thing or something. Like something's happened. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. They look like unusually confident for a team that has has like not really won many games all season. Do you think, yeah. as Rajiv says, they're eight points, or um, you know, from safety? Do you think, you know, they can do it? 
Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no. I feel like this is not like this feels like um, sometimes you have a team where they like get one big result and suddenly they're like a completely different team and then they look then they'll look like a mid-table team. And um, they've had like good results before, and they've like never managed to like press on from them even under Big Sam recently. Like um, who did they play? They beat someone like the draw against Liverpool for example. Good result. Next week they got smacked five 0 by Leeds. Like I don't, I don't see it as like a, a long term trend, especially because the goals were like individual brilliance rather than like sustained team play for the large part. Also, the fact that Chelsea have conceded eight goals to West Brom. West Brom have only scored seventeen goals all season. I mean, if you score eight in two matches, I mean that's basically nine goals in twenty eight matches. It's clear that they have problems in attack and they're not scoring enough, and I think that yeah. ultimately will be their downfall this season. Yeah, I mean. Callum Robinson will, will, you know, wish he can play Chelsea every week. I mean, there was that stat that kept coming up on Match of the Day and BT. It was like, oh, yeah, Callum Robinson scored five goals in the Premier League and they've all been against Chelsea. Uh, well, he, well, you know, he might not score for the rest of the season, in which case West Brom definitely won't be staying up. Um, you know, looking at their run in Callum, do you think, do you think that that's not going to help them either, really? Um, no, I mean, they've got Southampton, then Leicester, then Villa, then Wolves, and Arsenal, and Liverpool, West Ham, and Leeds. Like, maybe three of those games are winnable, and the others they'd be lucky to get a draw, I'd say. And they need, you know, they need at least they 20 They need a lot of points, yeah. Uh, not 20, maybe like 15 points to stay in there, which is, you yeah. know, five wins is not I mean, they're on 20, they're on 21, and you say probably 36 need to win five games like it's not happening sadly yeah yeah I, I have to agree with you on the Chelsea side though Rajiv um Tuchel looked almost shocked at the way that his team sort of reacted I mean they've they uh they were very they've been very good at the back since Tuchel was taken over and that clearly didn't happen in this game yeah I mean like you said before this game they only conceded two goals and then you see this game they conceded five this could be this result could be a fluke, but it's always about the next match, how they bounce back from it. And they've got Porto, which will be a tricky tie. But I mean, if they could see quite a lot of goals to them, then there's a huge worry. It's almost reminiscent of the time under Frank Lampard. But if not, then you could see a newfound solidity, and you could see mentality build, building basically. So I think, like I said, it's one match. You have to take that into isolation. But the next few matches will determine what. It, whether it's whether it was a bounce or whether Tuchel's done is doing a very good job at Chelsea. So we're calling this a fluke, then, shall we say? This is like a weird result. It's not going to happen again. Um, On to a very predictable result: Newcastle two, Spurs two. Um, Newcastle Spurs came back from one 0 behind uh, with with two quick fire Harry Kane goals, but then they were denied at the last. Um, uh, as, as as Joe Willock on loan from Arsenal got the equaliser in the 85th minute, Jose Mourinho he the, his interviews are getting worse and worse by the week, guys. I mean, the little quote from 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 this one, um, as the question was posed to him, you know, why 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 are your teams not able to um, hold on to leads, and he just went same coach, different players, which. What do we make of this, Callum? I, I I feel a bit 
I'm just a bit confused by the whole thing. Like, I feel like like they were pretty good at the start of the season, and then suddenly they just went bad. And like the table on their like they're like doing okay though. It's odd. Like I feel like and like they're getting a lot of criticism. They've been like absolutely woeful. But like their form recently hasn't actually been that awful. It's just not been like as good as you'd expect, almost, if that makes sense. Yeah, they had that little sort of bounce, um, beating I yeah. think, Burnley um, and another like sort of poor team. Um, and But then they were like, really set back by that loss in the Europa League, obviously. And yeah. I think I think the complaint from Spurs fans, and Rajiv, definitely have your, have your say on this. Um, the complaint is that, you know, the handbrake hasn't been let off like it was in the Burnley game, right? Too often... Uh, Josie will try and settle for a one or two goal lead and that and the Spurs defense in this game I think it was a very inexperienced back line they just couldn't keep the lead and you know Spurs are really like losing very unnecessary points well I believe that I think the day Jose changed was when was the three all against West Ham the three goals in the last 10 minutes I mean the Jose after that said that no we have to go pragmatic and the 5-4 loss against Everton, it was almost like, that match was like, okay, go and play. But then when they lost, it was like, see, you need to be more defensive. So I think that has been the main issue, really. I think that but I think that Jose's comments are reminiscent of his time towards the end of at United and Chelsea. It's pretty, pretty much just throwing the players under the bus now, and he's trying to make himself look good. But at the same time, I think that it's what he says, there's some truth in it. I don't think he should have said it to the media. But there's definitely some truth in it because you look at their record. Spurs are traditionally known as bottlers. But I think that if you... But, I mean, they've lost so many... They lost to United in the semi-finals of the FA Cup. They lost to Chelsea. I mean, they've obviously lost to Liverpool in the Champions League final. But the problem is, in some of these big games, there's not enough clutch players. For example, then Harry Kane had a, had a great chance to make it 3-1 and they would have progressed on uh, through to the Europa League quarterfinals and away goals. But they ended up well, losing three, I mean, losing three nil was a pretty disgraceful thing in itself, but they could have just got away with it. And like I said, Harry Kane in specific moments and a lot of the other Tottenham players, they, they're not the clutch players. They don't they don't find the goals or the they don't finish off their chances at the opportune moments. Another example was against Liverpool, which was considered at that point the title decider. And when Harry Kane missed two guilted chances and so did Steven Bergwijn. So I think that that squad is littered with a lot of players who don't perform at the clutch moments. And I think that that's probably why they do need a bit of an overhaul. So I can see why Joseph said what he said. That's that's some pretty millennial terminology there, clutch moments. I I'm, I don't think I'm that familiar with the term. But um, I, I, I agree with you to an extent, Raj. I just think that Jose throwing his players under the bus doesn't make sense coming off the fact that his squad is is proven Champions League quality. They made the Champions League final like two years ago. The bench for this game was astonishing. Joe Hart, Eric Dyer, Musa Sissoko, Deli Ali, Gareth Bale, Harry Winks, Son Ming, and Eric Lamella. Like, ha- like, what else do you want from your Spurs team? And like, obviously the 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 defensive line of Regulon, Rodon, Sanchez, and Tanganga is not experienced. But let's not forget that Jose signed like two of them and Tanganga, Jose sort of, you know, pushed through the academy. So 
I don't I don't understand where the where the line of responsibility lies. Do you know what I mean, Callum? Like, you know what what would you say the percentage of blame that you place on? Yeah, the- I, th- I think uh, if you offered Steve Bruce any one of those like players off the Spurs bench, he'd put them in his starting team. Like, so you do feel like when I mean, you look at that, like Spurs should be winning that game comfortably. Um, I don't know, but I don't think like. Like Mourinho puts them two one up, and like the players don't close out. I don't think it's entirely on Mourinho. I also think that you can look at their bench. How many of their players have won a lot of trophies? For example, Mourinho won some at PSG, but he was more for rotation squad player slash a backup. Then you can look at the main trophy winners: they're Regulon and Bale. Kane and Son haven't won any trophies. Bergwijn, oh, sorry, Son has won the Asian Cup. Uh, Bergwijn. I don't think he's won. He might have won a cup with Feno, uh, with uh, PSV, but I don't think he did. But, I mean, just go through their squad. Hoiberg, although he, he was more of a bit part of Bayern Munich, so I don't think he, he'd won many trophies there either. A lot of their squad haven't aren't like serial trophy winners. So you can argue that whilst they've got a manager who's, tro- who's won so many trophies, that their squad are inexperienced and they haven't gone over the finish line many times. Yeah, so, but I agree. But it's not an FA Cup final, right? It's it's an away match against Newcastle. It's not it's not the big stage where you know like trophies are on the line, right? I I don't feel like I need to have a squad of trophy winners to beat Newcastle in their current form. And even more than that, and we'll move on to Newcastle now. Uh, actually conceding a goal to Joe Linton must you like you deserve like a point deduction for that I I swear like I mean it's just absolutely astonishing isn't it um yeah two uh, two goals in two seasons and against I mean he scored against Tottenham I was just going to say just to finish it off I just think it's a culmination just of everything that's gone on this season that's why the comments came and that's why the reactions come that's all yeah, definitely uh, a vital victory for Newcastle because the pressure was coming on with them. And also with Fulham losing, obviously, um, this this game week definitely had ramifications for the relegation race. It's a um, cool just to say that, but it's a, it's a good point game. But like yeah, sorry, said, sorry, it was a do... good point game. Exactly, thanks. I mean, finish. like yeah. I said, I think that, I mean, Fulham are on a poor run of form and every little help, so every point gained is just is getting them further away from the drop zone. Mm. They still need a few wins, but it's definitely. But I think that the point may be helpful, especially with Newcastle Fulham on the last day of the season. That's a vital match, and if a, a point may mean that Newcastle are ahead of Fulham and don't have to play for the win, which could benefit them. Right. Um, let's let's move on to um, one of the big boy matches of the weekend: uh, Liverpool beating Arsenal three nil. Uh, Callum. Uh, take us through the game. Uh, there's a lot of talking points. We'll go through them afterwards. But, you know, what happened? Diogo Jota had a great game, didn't he? Yeah, and I think, like, if you had to, like, pinpoint, like, a, a moment of, like, managerial intervention, you would say it was bringing Jota on for um, Robertson. Um, I think that was, like, a, a bit of a gamble to, like, not make a direct like-for-like change with Firmino and, like, change the formation up, but to, like, drop me on the back and uh, drop Firmino back as well and bring Jota on. I think that was, like, a brilliant decision. I think Jota's looked really good. Um, I'm not really sure why he wasn't starting, but it's one of those where he didn't start, he came on, he scored, we won the game. So it's kind of like a managerial masterstroke to like give him a bit of a rest, I guess. But if he'd come on and not scored, it would have been like a huge blunder. Or if he'd not got to come on at all, for example. Um, 
it's like it was a very good result. Um, Arsenal were not at the races though, and I think that kind of overshadows the Liverpool performance. I don't think Liverpool played well enough to win. Like you wouldn't if you watched the Liverpool performance, you wouldn't have thought it culminated in a three 0 win over Arsenal. It would maybe would have been two one. Um, I think that's more what the performance deserved. But as like a long term outlook thing, that's like a very good result for Liverpool, like a big confidence boost, I would say. Yep, Trent Alexander Arnold had a decent game, didn't he? And that is a uh, good be- point. Yes. Before the game, Jurgen Klopp said he was shocked that that Alexander Arnold was omitted from Southgate's England squad. Um, he kind of doesn't look like he's in the on the plane or the bus to Wembley this summer for the Euro twenty. 20- 20. Um, Raj, what are your thoughts on, on that? I mean, England obviously have a lot of cover at right back. Do you think, you know, he should be there? I think what Southgate did is dropping him, saying that he's not been on very good form. And I think he, he wanted that to get a reaction out of Trent. Because Trent, I think, although in 2021 he's been a lot better, but I think this season overall he hasn't, he's been very mixed. His performance has been very mixed. So I think he wants Trent to have a very good end to the season. And so he can justify his choice to be on to be on the bus to Wembley. I I think that I think that was good decision by Southgate, and I think it spurred Trent on this match. And I think Trent had a very good match, produced some delightful crosses, and very much like made made a mockery of that of of, of Aubameyang's defending. So you think he's he he's sort of Alexander has still has time to force his way through, you know, Carl Walker, Kieran Trippier, and the like to make the the squad yeah i think that i mean i think that carl walker and kieran trippier are a bit on the decline whereas trent has got so much potential and i think that you can see how good trent is with his delivery with him going forward he won't be the third center back he definitely he's got the position for the wing back or the right or the right back depending on whether south i mean southgate will probably play a bit more defensive but if he plays the three at the bat then trent's going to be the wing back so i think that's that and I, yeah that's why that's the best thing and I think that he's going to get on the plane for Trippier and Walker if if it's for that wing back position okay okay so Liverpool play Real Madrid in about uh half an hour so from you two I want a quick score prediction which we will then laugh about in the next pod you first Reg I'm gonna go with 3-1 Liverpool we've only lost twice uh, we've only lost twice away this season that was to United in the FA Cup and to Leicester so I think we've got very good form away. Um, I think that Real Madrid are not the side they used to be a few years ago. And like I said, it could, I could be, it could just be an awful prediction, but that's what I think might happen. Go on, Callum. Um, I'd say probably two one Liverpool. I think I've looked at the team that we're playing, and like we don't have Thiago, but we have Cater, and we're starting with Jota. And obviously, a lot's been made about like Madrid's centre back situation. So I'd, I'd expect us to score. But then I also look at Phillips and Kabak. And I kind of expect Real Madrid to score as well, but I think we'll probably score more. So I'd go 2-1, maybe 3-1 with Raj. Yeah, I'm looking at Lucas Vazquez at right back and thinking, Sadio Mane and Robertson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that could be a fun time for 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 Liverpool's left-hand side. Um, I'm going to be watching that game. So let's, let's do this pod. Um, Manchester United, nice comeback. 2-1 against Brighton. Um, I heard on... Uh, our competitor of a pod, Football Weekly, 
uh, I think it was Barry Glendening maybe saying that United were too classy for Brighton, which I would very much disagree with. I thought Brighton were the better team for most of the game, um, and United just got kind of two very scrappy goals in there, um, which they have done quite a lot this season. What were your thoughts on the game, Raj? Yeah, I thought that Brighton did play very well. I thought that United pretty much just they they churn out results a lot this season, and the performance wasn't that bad. But I don't, and you could say the quality on the pitch did outclass the opposition. But I'd say overall, in terms of performance-wise, I think it was an even game. Brighton, I thought, defended very well, played out from the back with composure. They managed to get very good uh, positions on the in the transition, and they gave United a lot of threat. But I think that United. You look at the front, they have Rashford, Greenwood is playing, I mean, Fernandes and Pogba, then there's always goals with those people and they can always get uh, they can always get the side out of a hole. And that's what happened. And I think, like I said, they're, more, they're looking more and more like certainties for championship, Champions League qualification next season. Callum, penalty? Harry Maguire on Danny Welbeck? It wasn't given. Yeah, I think it would have. It's like one of those like 50-50s, I would say. So you think that it was VAR was right for not intervening and not um, overturning yeah. the decision? I mean, I think the whole like clear and obvious error is a bit of a, a dodge myself. But like, yeah, if I was on, I would say probably it's not. It could go either way, right? And I think the referee, it goes with the referee. I mean, Harry Harry Maguire seemed very convinced in his innocence. He went with the uh, the old sort of finger wag and shake at the head you know like over yeah. and over again for a minute like, which all the like cliche moves you see on like fifa highlights exactly yeah. exactly um martin but... tyler's saying oh i think he just got the ball here um anyway yeah uh, nice fifa reference or whatever um <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to the final premier league game that we're going to cover which is leicester nil man city 2 i just want to bring up the fact that kevin de bruyne is I, I can't hate him. He's just the most beautiful player. His pass for that second goal, Raj, he sort of like weighted it absolutely perfectly. Leicester defenders sliding everywhere trying to block it, but they're in vain. Um, he is so superb, and I think he's still underrated. Yeah, I agree with that. I think he is. I think he is actually very underrated. I think that he's. I think he's up there as one of the best well, passers of the ball in terms of in the Premier League. I think, as in the Premier League has ever seen, I think he's that good. I think I, he can find a, he can find he can thread the ball through an eye of, through the eye of a needle. That's how good he is. And like I said, that ball he's got Leicester defenders floundering about, and and it, like I said, it was a very good assist. And I think he's a magical player to watch. And like I said, even for even rival fan can, can appreciate him. That's how good he is. Um, last Monday, the news came out from Man City that Sergio Aguero will leave the club after 10 years. Um, he will definitely go down as a Man City legend. He's going to be honoured by a statue at the Etihad alongside, you know, Vincent Company and David Silva. Um, do you, where do you think he ranks Callum on the list of Premier League strikers? It's, it's illustrious, of course. Um, Henri you know, Rooney, uh, Shearer, you know, where, where is he? I think he's the highest, like, Premier League scoring um, foreign, like, overseas player. Which, yeah, like, yeah. and, like, obviously he's never going to compete compete with someone who joins the Premier League when they're 18 and stays until they're 34, like, in total numbers of goals. But 
I think like that's like a really impressive stat and like there have been so many like good overseas Premier League strikers over the year like you mentioned Henri and there are others um like definitely and it's also not just that it's like the amount of stuff he's won for City like there's the iconic like Aguero goal but um like there are just so many others where he's like been the one to grab the goal for them um, yeah he is like, a clutch player as yeah. I would say and yeah like, it's noticeable yeah. how much they miss him when he's not playing as well, which I think is like just as much a mark of a good striker as like he scored three goals in a five 0 win. Yeah, I think that he's got the most amount of of hat tricks from a player ever in the Premier League. I mean, he's that good. You could just—he's so lethal in front of goal. Unfortunately, he's had a lot of injury issues, and that's probably why he's missed a lot of games. But when he's played, you can just see his quality and his class. And he's up there in in terms of the greatest strikers ever in the Premier League, probably top five in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. Um, he has the best goals per minutes to goal ratio of any Premier League striker with at least twenty Premier League goals with one hundred and eighty or one hundred and eight minutes per goal. Um, it actually it's quite astonishing um, the fact that. He has scored, he's reached double figures in every season since, I think, like 2009, I think, back to, back from when he was at Atletico Madrid. He probably won't reach that this season because of injuries and just being generally out of the side. Um, let's talk about that 2012 goal. As much as it hurts me as a United fan, it, it does stand in sort of Premier League history as probably the one of the most iconic goals, uh, probably the most iconic Dis, uh, title deciding goal as well um, it was a huge turning point in Man City's history um, where were you? Do you remember when, like, where you were in 2012 uh, when when he scored? I don't, as, as a Liverpool fan I was probably just crying in a corner <laughs> What, because Man City and United were challenging for the title? Yeah, like, it was just an unpleasant time <laughs> um, I remember I was in the car uh, and I had to hear that on the radio, which was just really, really depressing. <laughs> I probably, I think I found that on match of the day too, actually, because I don't think I was looking at the scores at the time, and I just thought probably City routine win. But then when you see the drama unfold, it's unbelievable. I think it's probably the greatest goal in English top flight history. I think in terms of like in terms of everyone was so emotional after that. It wasn't just City fans. Everyone wanted City to for, to end the 44-year wait, and except from United fans, I have to say. But like I said, it, it's a moment of history and it'll be forever remembered. Uh, yeah. I think it's there's not many goals where you can look at them and go, like, that goal won the league for them. But like that is the like quintessential, that goal won the league goal. I mean, yeah, if any goal yeah. <laughs> would be like that, it definitely would. And it like changed the course of history for Man City. They were, yeah. brought them their first league title, as Raj said, and in, in 44 years. And um, it's something that City fans will, will never forget about him. And that's what gives him his, his sort of legend status. Yeah. It, I just look, I mean, we all know about how lethal a finisher he is, but it really surprises me that he got up to 181 Premier League goals. Like, I don't know, I just... You know, for example, he's never been voted as a player of the season. You know, he's never been, like, listed as the best player in the Premier League at any time in his 10-year Premier League career. So why do you do you think it's just injuries or, or what? 
I think that's just like a function of how good he is. Like he scores like so ma- so many so, such important goals, and like no one's ever like wow because it's Aguero you expect it. I think like he came and everyone was like wow he's good, but there was like like he's always been playing in a good team, which definitely helps him. And like there's others in the team who you look at it and you're like oh De Bruyne is like as good if not better, but like we don't appreciate him enough because he's so good. I think. I also think that if you look around the time, because he joined, I think it was around 2011, I think you had like Yaya Toure. I mean, he was just an absolute phenomenal player. Then you had like Luis Suarez, that brilliant season. Then you have recently you have players like, I mean, Salah had that brilliant season, 17-18. You look at it and just every single season, there's probably one player who just does a little bit more. I mean, I mean, for example, it was De Bruyne last season as well. He was like phenomenal. But it's just every single season that does that just... There's just that someone who does a little bit more. And Aguero is just like so close to being player of the year, but he's never won it, which people consider scandalous. But I think to be up there consistently and to have a consistent shout for player of the year, that in itself is an achievement. Yep. Um, he sort of has that metronomical consistency that I think people also associated with, with David Silva, though in a slightly different way. I think it's kind of sad watching this as kind of an end of an era. We mentioned the fact that Company and Silva and Aguero are now going to get their statues. I mean, they've all left the, well, all about to leave or have left the club already. So it's all about how City transition into that next. And you're already seeing it this season with the new players like Ferran Torres. Um, Sterling's obviously been there for a while. But Gundogan, you know, he's coming through. I mean, uh, obviously Phil Foden's the big young prospect. Um and it will just it's it is exciting to see how City will transition. Um they are playing tonight, uh, alongside their Liverpool game. They will be hosting Dortmund uh in the quarterfinals. Uh match prediction, guys. I think it's gonna be a game full of goals. I think I actually think Dortmund are gonna provide a huge threat to City because I think they've been very inconsistent. They've had a lot of poor periods of form, but in like in like a lot of matches they've had some very good periods where they've looked absolutely stunning so I think I'm going to go for a 3-2 City win I but I think this even though City have got a very mean defence I just think that Dortmund have got so much quality up front and will provide a huge threat to City Cal um, yeah I think both teams have the potential to score a lot of goals I think it's like Liverpool game like you'd look and you'd confine defensive frailties um, I don't know I feel like it kind of can't give me the way I'd probably back City because they've been playing pretty well recently and they're on a big run but like so are Dortmund and I think it could be the way I'm just thinking about how fitting it would be if like Aguero scored like a 91st minute winner in the Champions League final this season oh please no <laughs> handle it um, yeah. Dortmund they're, they're doing pretty poorly in the Bundesliga right now they, they lost again on the weekend and their Champions League hopes seem to be kind of fading because they're like seven points behind fourth place uh, Eintracht Frankfurt um, but somehow in the Champions League they, they have been churning out the results or they, they dispatched Lazio in the last round um, so that will definitely be a title watch uh, the two other Champions League matches tomorrow uh, Bayern host PSG and Porto are playing Chelsea um, I know which one of those I'm going to watch um, uh, Bayern PSG Raj what do you think Oof. This is going to be a high-quality match, I feel. Um, Last season's uh, final. Yeah, was, and they've got so much. Yeah, they've got so many good players. I think it's going to be two-one Bayern. 
I think it's going to be a very, I think it's going to be a tight game. A very, it's going to be an entertaining. It's going to be engaging, but I do think that there'll be some goals in it, and I think there's going to be a lot of quality. Yeah, um, I would say that like, buying PSG game. I think both teams like you could, if they weren't drawn against each other, you'd fancy both of them to get through to the final. And I think there's an argument that if they hadn't been drawn together, both teams would get through to the semi-final definitely. Like. I do, but then like you compare it to the final last season. Obviously, this is over two legs and there's less pressure. But you would say Bayern have improved, whereas PSG haven't really. Would be my personal take. I I agree, especially because Chupi Moting has now moved from PSG to Bayern. That's which I think yeah, will... that's a huge swing in power <laughs> dynamics. <laughs> it will definitely tip the balance in Bayern's favour. <laughs> uh, honestly, if you. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Like what? What the? Like I, he is a, he's cheated his way to a like a career, hasn't he? Honestly, I really hope that this year, because obviously last year missed out on the Champions League because he was playing for PSG. Now he's glory hunted his way to to Bayern. Um, yeah. I really hope PSG now win to just sort of ruin his <laughs> career. I mean, honestly, how the hell do you go from a Championship level Stoke City to? <sighs> Okay, to be fair, so I didn't bizarre. know how he was in Stoke City in the first place. Like Stoke somehow just got players like Shakiri Bojan. I feel like they were getting yeah. like players. They just had that phase where like Stoke forgot who they were, and that's why they got relegated. They should have they should have re-signed like Cameron Jerome and you know all of them. Lot could have stayed up. Brought in Tony Pulis, you know. Ugh, what a disaster. Anyway, um, final match we're gonna look at. Porto Chelsea. Unfortunately, Arjun's not on today, but he would have predicted a Chelsea win, I am sure, as does the rest of the football world. I, on the other hand, am hoping for another Porto upset. What do you I guys think, think? I think that I think it's going to be Porto one 0 Chelsea. I don't think it's going to be a game with a lot of goals, but I actually did not want Porto as a Liverpool fan because I thought defensively they're really good, and I think that on the they've got some threat on the counter attack which is pretty much the template to beat us this season. So I think it's going to be a very, very tight game. It's going to be the odd goal, I think, and that will win it for either side. Yeah, I think as, we've seen, as I was saying, Bayern and PSG were the two strongest teams. I think Porto and Chelsea, looking at their recent results, are probably the two weakest teams. I don't know. You're only like, saying that because Arjun's not on the pod. You wouldn't, you wouldn't dare say that. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, like, what I see is like massive like biceps like threatening to punch me through the screen. <laughs> I, I, I'd be quiet, but... Um, I think they probably are, and like, it's kind of immaterial who wins because they're just going to get knocked out in the next round anyway. If a that said, knocks I would, on your door, I would probably back Chelsea. If a Russian agent knocks on your door, don't answer. <laughs> <laughs> Abramovich has sent agents to to silence you. We do um, not know Callum. We don't know who he is. Never <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, oh, wait, wait, stop recording this call right now. <laughs> oh dear, we're in trouble, boys. Um, I think we should end it there before any sort of political shenanigans ensue. Uh, thank you very much for joining me today, Raj. Thank you for the opportunity. And and you, Callum. Thanks, Lawrence. See you soon. <laughs> or not. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, guys.